Thank you for joining us tonight. The last few weeks we came to our this class has been in my living room. You may remember the orchids on my right and my wife's gorgeous painting in the background. Tonight we come to you from live from the Bet Yosef Synagogue. We're in a beautiful, 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 wonderful shul to be in with no woman in the room and really no audience in the room. And you know, I keep hearing from people that you know people are zoomed out, people are tired of classes online and tired of Zoom and tired of watching. So because of that, I want to thank you tonight for joining us. Bizrat Hashem over the course of the summer. The schedule for the summer will come out shortly and when we'll do the classes over the course of the summer, Bizrat Hashem will come out shortly. But tonight, we come to you at the same time that we have the last many Wednesday nights from the shul and deal of Bet Yosef Synagogue. And here's what I'd like to talk to you about tonight. From talking to a lot of people over the last many weeks, it feels like there's, an, I don't want to call it an issue, but a challenge that's arising in many a home. And that is many of the relationships are lagging a little bit. They're not quite as strong as we hoped. Meaning after being home together for three months in a row, husbands and wives, young ones, and even older ones, you get used to each other, you get tired of one another. And because of that, some of the relationships are a little bit strained. And I'm going to give you the reasons very briefly as to why I think this happens. Number one, it's difficult, no matter how much you love someone, to be with the same person so much. Normal life has you wake up in the morning, you go out, you go to work, a person lends a call out, they go learn to call out, they go pray, they come back, they go study all day, they go work all day, they come back, maybe they go out to work again. You don't see the same person for so many hours in a row. It's not natural. That's A. B is that normally our lives have things to break it up. We go to a wedding, we go outside, we go to a friend's house, we, like I said, we go to shul, there's different air places that we can go to break up the monotony of the day. For three months, we didn't have that. And this class will not be about those three months, because as I've said in many of the classes lately, it's time to start moving on. But I want to just explain why these relationships often are a little bit strained in an unexpected way. C is because it's been a very anxious time. A lot of debating, a lot of debating. Initially in the first month, many people were sick. Anxious businesses that were not what they used to be creates a tremendous amount of anxiety, and anxiety is never a good thing for a relationship. D is that our families, especially in our community, our couples, young ones, and even older ones, 
are very used to being around family. We're used to being around our parents. We're used to being around our siblings, our cousins. That's how we do it. And when we don't have that around us, we don't have that same support group and hopefully that same encouragement that our healthy family gives us, it can lead to stray. And finally, E, is that a marriage needs fun things. A marriage needs fun things. Some marriages need to go out to dinner. Some marriages need to go out for a drive. Some marriages need to get together with other people. Marriages need fun. They need a wedding, they need a celebration, maybe they need a vacation. They need fun things. And for three months, we had almost zero fun things. So A, being with the same person so much, B, nothing to break up the day, C, a lot of anxiety, D, not having the family support that we're used to around us physically, and E, without having that many fun things to do, a lot of marriages right now, or relationships right now, even if they're dating, feel a little tired. And the truth is to properly address this topic, we created a beautiful, and I believe and hope for a very powerful event for tomorrow night. We have three of the premier women speakers in our community, or authorities on a topic like this, both from what I mentioned, married couples or young married couples, and single girls. So we have Mrs. Jackie Vuitton, I should begin with my mother, Mrs. Molly Haber, and Mrs. Connie Shelby. Three noted speakers in our community, or noted authorities in our community. My mother will kill me if I call her a speaker. But definitely an unbelievable authority on this topic. But Bezrat Hashem will get together tomorrow night and have a panel where they're going to ask, they're going to present questions from the audience about topics like this and a lot broader than this and give you real concrete answers that you can use. So if you're young, you want to tune in. And even if you're not so young, but if you have a daughter who's young, you want to tune in. How to date, how to handle the summer, how to handle the young marriages, in those homes, not in those homes, the debates, the discussions. Just how do we look forward to the next three months and make them a really positive time for young girls, young women, and young mothers in this community. So please tune in tomorrow night at 8. I'm sure you saw the advertisement, but I'm not going to fully address the problem tonight. I don't feel that equipped. But rather what I'm going to do is try to give us an approach to it, an attitude towards it, and I hope that by the time we're done, the attitude will make the problem in your life dramatically subside. We're in Parashat Baha'u'llah Parashat Baha'u'llah is one of the more dynamic and interesting parashiyot in the entire Torah. And there are numerous stories in the parashat, numerous lessons. We're going to fast forward to towards the end of the parashat. And at the end, the Jewish people complain. Dramatic complaints. You've heard of this one. They maybe complained a number of times in the desert. But everyone knows this one. They complain. We remember the fish that we have in Egypt. We don't have enough meat to eat. 
They remember the cucumbers and the melons that they used to have. And their complaining becomes so intense that Moshe Rabbeinu seems a bit exhausted. And he tells Hashem, I need help. I didn't give birth to this nation. I need help. And Hashem then says, you're going to have 70 prophets to help you. And you'll see in a minute how there's a powerful lesson from this. And so these prophets prophesize, and two of them go off and have their own prophecy, which actually is discussing Moshe Rabbeinu's demise. We'll get to that in a minute. And then after the story God brings to the Jewish people, He brings them meat, an abundance of meat. They eat a lot of meat. Many people even pass away and die from the overindulgence. And then finally, Parashah concludes with Miriam and Aharon, Moshe Rabbeinu's only sister and only brother, speaking badly behind his back. And Hashem comes to the defense of Moshe Rabbeinu. I saw one commentary say, look at what happened to Moshe Rabbeinu. First, the people are complaining. So he's the leader of people. And all the people are complaining. So then you say to yourself, okay, if the people are complaining, at least I'll turn to my associates. I'll turn, I'll turn to those people, to my colleagues, to the other prophets. And he finds out that two of those prophets are prophesizing that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to die and Yahushua is going to take over, which actually would become accurate. So he turns to his colleagues, and he can't win over there. And then, you say, okay, so if you can't win with the people, at least, and you can't win with your friends, at least you go to your family. And then here it is, his brother and his sister are both talking behind his back. So one recent commentary says, look, he can't win with the people, he can't win with his colleagues, he can't win with his own family. I don't know if that is a real thought or a cute thought, but I think the message in that thought is very important. There are times in life where you feel tired. There are times in life where the relationships do get weak for a minute. It happens to everybody. Everybody. So you need to realize that whatever you're feeling right now in your marriage, if what I described before is true with you, and even if it doesn't mean the Hasmi Shalom, your relationship is really weak, but it just doesn't have the enthusiasm you had in December, you need to realize that everybody is dealing with that. So many people are dealing with that. And you'll say, no, but didn't rabbis give speeches about how wonderful this time is and we have time to unite with our kids? Yes, we gave speeches. I'm one of those rabbis who gave those speeches. But the reality is that not every day feels like a speech. And not every day feels like, oh, the rabbi says you can sit at home and you with you talk to your children. The reality is that most people didn't sit every night and read their daughter three stories before they went to bed and then come downstairs and smile to their wife and smile to their husband and eat a perfect dinner and say, wow, look how wonderful this is. 
Nah, that's not what happened. Instead, what happened to most people is, uh, my daughter, yeah, I'm gonna read your story, I'm on the phone, I'll get back to, uh, I'm coming upstairs. You got upstairs, she's sleeping. And then, you come downstairs for dinner, and it's a debate. Not exactly, exactly what we envisioned. And that's why the Torah, after all of this, all these little anecdotes I just described with Moshe Rabbeinu, the Torah says, Ve'aish Moshe anav me'od. Moshe Rabbeinu was unbelievably humble. What does that mean, Moshe Rabbeinu was unbelievably humble? If you can handle this, if you can handle, it's tough with the people, and tough with your colleagues, and even tough with your family. If you can handle this, you must be unbelievably humble. So yes, the first thing you need to know is it's normal. And that a lot of people are feeling it. And life is not like a speech, even if you got some adorable video two months ago that said that this is a wonderful time. There were moments that were wonderful. But normal people got tired. And here you see Moshe Rabbeinu. And again, of course, we realize it's Moshe Rabbeinu. It's on his level. The Torah doesn't tell it to us for us to really believe that Moshe Rabbeinu got annoyed with the people. But rather, the Torah tells it to us for us to learn a lesson from it. Just like Abraham and Yitzchak and Yaakov and their sons was all about lessons. It's not like uh, the 12 tribes have regular sibling rivalry, but you can learn about sibling rivalry from the 12 tribes. And it's not like Yaakov and Esau's fight were a regular normal two brothers fight, but you can learn from it. And the same thing here. Moshe Rabbeinu in the middle says the words that I give birth to these people. You can learn that sometimes even the greatest leader is allowed to have a Hashem, I need help moment. You're allowed to have that moment too. Here's my second perspective, and we're going to have three tonight. I gave you one, we have two more. My second perspective is this. Sometimes you have to look back at a certain period and say, you know what? That was nothing, and it doesn't mean anything. I'll tell you what I mean. So, Moshe Rabbeinu finds out that he, Hashem, he asks for help, Hashem gives him help, and gives him 70 prophets to prophesize. Two of them, Eldad and Medad, actually prophesize. And when they do, they were not with the rest of the people. They seemed to be not in the right place they were supposed to be. And their prophecy was actually, like I said before, Moshe Rabbeinu's demise. So the Basuk says, Bayan Yehoshua, Yehoshua Misharet Moshe, Yehoshua, the servant or the one who, the assistant of Moshe Rabbeinu, mi bachurav. From bachurav, which we'll explain in a minute. He says, Adonim Moshe, he says, my master Moshe, kilayim destroy them. They're saying a terrible thing. They're saying that one day you're going to pass away. They're not prophesizing in the right spot. Destroy them. The Targum on that pasuk, that's the unclusus, the commentary, for 2,000 years old commentary, defines the word to mean from his youth. And he's implying that when Yahushua was speaking from his youthfulness. And 
What does this mean? Why is the Torah emphasizing as Yeshua is defending his own master? He's saying, Moshe, you have to go after them. You can't allow them to do this. Why is, why is the Torah emphasizing that Yeshua, who was Moshe Rabbeinu's assistant, from his youth, as if he's speaking from his youth? The answer is the Gemara Masehmen Edarim. Here's what the Gemara writes. Gemara says, Tanya Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar says, "Im Yomai Yeladim Beneh." If youth, young people tell you to build, who's Kenim Setor, and older people tell you not to build, listen to the older people. Because the building of the youth is sometimes destruction. And the non-building of the elders is sometimes construction. Again, the building of the youth is sometimes destruction. It's fast, it's hasty. Build it, do it, let's go. And sometimes it doesn't lead to anything. And the patience of the older person who says, don't build it yet, often leads to great results. But the Gemara is saying that there's something out there called young advice. Young advice is when you get advice from people that are young. And often the mistake that young advice gives is that they take something too seriously. And they make a big deal out of something that shouldn't be a big deal. Which is what happened to Yoshua. Yoshua said, they're prophesying, they're not supposed to be. Kill them! Moshe Rabbeinu says, don't kill them. Are you being jealous for me? Relax. Wait a minute. Young advice sometimes says, oh, this is a problem. This is a very big problem. What are we going to do about this problem? I don't know how we're going to handle this problem. And sometimes older, sagely, experienced advice says, relax. You'll be fine. And I think that wise advice over this past period would say, you know what, it was three months that were tough. It's gonna pass. It's gone. It's almost passed already. So if maybe things were a little strange during that time, don't get crazy over it. Yoshua and his youthfulness said, we need to do something now. Moshe Rabbeinu says, no. Moshe Rabbeinu, in his wise, sagely experienced attitude, says, it's fine. Sometimes you have a bad month. It doesn't mean the world's coming to an end. You need to know this. Older people know it. Younger people often don't. Sometimes you have a bad couple of months, or sometimes it's not what you envision, or it's not what you dream. It's okay. You know, the other day in my house, my little son, Moshe, I talk about him a lot in the class because he's cute and he hasn't been in school or listening to the teacher in school in weeks, but that's not for now. It used to be the teacher would be on the phone and he'd be upstairs, the teacher would be on the phone downstairs. That was bad enough. Now it's, teacher's not even on the phone. But anyway, that's not here nor there. So one day Moshe is building a little castle He's building a little tower with, I don't know what they call it, clicks or I don't know, Lego, whatever, one of these things. 
And one of the other kids in the house, and he's built this whole structure, one of the other kids in the house walks by and like walks on top of it and smashes the castle, smashes his tower. And Moshe is hysterical crying. My oldest son says to me, he says, you see how kids are? See, kids, when they're building it, it's not that they're crying over nothing. He thinks his little tower, his building, is a huge deal. He thinks it's so important. So when someone rides over it or destroys it, he can't breathe. He thinks the world came to an end. And then my son, which I think is fairly wise, says to me, he says, a lot of us are like that too. We're building our own castle. We're building our own little tower. And if something goes wrong, we're like, oh no, what's going to happen? And a wise person would tell you, been there, done that. We're married 50 years. Of course we've had patches like that. The world didn't come to an end. The sad thing is when a young couple stops and says to themselves, what are we going to do? This is the end of the world. We haven't lived together for 20 minutes in a month. Okay, so you didn't laugh. Okay, so you didn't have as much excitement. It's okay. And the beauty is that the pasuk calls him bachorav. It doesn't call him a nar. It calls him a bachur. And the commentaries even say no bachur comes from, comes from the word nivchar, which is chosen. Which means Yoshua is going to be the Bachur, is going to be the chosen one. One day, Yoshua is going to lead the people. But he's not there yet. I know when I first started, it was a rabbi, I hoped. And even now, I still wish that, like, oh wow, I wish I could be like some of those older rabbis that really know, you know what? You can't be older until you're older. And sometimes you can't have experience until you have experience. So if you're young, or if your children are young, and they just got married or married five, six years, and you're, and you're a little stressed, or maybe if you're not so young, but you're a little stressed and you're like, oh, this is a problem, you need to realize, number one, everyone's gone through it. Number two, you could be okay. You could be okay. Because you know, there are two types of people. There's one type of person that everything is a big deal. There's another type of person that like nothing's a big deal. Now there's an advantage to the person that everything's a big deal. Because those people, every experience is like a big experience. I'm like that. Anytime I take a vacation, it's a big vacation. Anytime I'm learning, it's a big learning. If I'm preparing for a class, it's big preparation. Everything I'm doing is, is big. If I'm talking to my wife, it's a whole meeting. Because everything's a big deal. And there are other people, eh, it's nothing, whatever, eh, whatever, I'm going, I'm coming, I came, I did, it doesn't matter, whatever. Now there's an advantage to the first person because everything is richer. But there's a disadvantage to that person too. Because when everything's a big deal, sometimes it may, you make everything into a big deal. And everything feels like a either unbelievable home run or a catastrophe. And sometimes we go through periods that are not a home run and not a catastrophe, and it's okay. And sometimes those people are just, eh, it's nothing, no big deal, no big deal. Maybe each experience that they have in their life is not as rich. But the negative times in their life go by easier. It's, eh, it's nothing. I want to give you one more example and then we'll get to our third and, and final perspective. 
I read this story recently and I, I, it, it, it hit me because it was meaningful to me in my own little experience. There's a great rabbi in Israel who passed away only a couple of years ago. His name is Amnissin Karelitz. Amnissin Karelitz was one of the great Ashkenazi scheme in the entire world. Halachic authorities. One of the laws that he was posek is that when a woman lights the candles on a holiday night, they do not say Shehechiyanu. It's a big debate. Our community does not say Shehechiyanu either, but it's a big debate in the Poskim. And he decided, determined, and it's famous as Psaac people knew, that this and Karelitz holds, you don't say Shehechiyanu. Which means he holds that if you were to say the Beracha, it would be a Beracha Levatala, it would be a Beracha in waste. Somehow, in later years, one of his students asked him, So Rabbi, what does your wife do? He said, Oh, my wife says Shehechiyanu, makes the Beracha Shehechiyanu. Rabbi, what? Your wife says Shehechiyanu, you hold not to say Shehechiyanu. He says, I know, but my wife's custom from her mother, is to say Shekhiyah, so she still says it. And the reason why that story is so powerful to me, again, it's world famous that he holds, don't say it, yet his wife says it. The reason why it's meaningful to me is when I first got married, I remember, I don't remember exactly what it was, but my wife did some custom with the candles, like her mother, and I said, why are you doing that? We don't do that. And I remember I was all uppity about the fact that, you know, I'm a young studying rabbi, I'm running in Kolel, and I'm now the husband, now you're supposed to listen to me, and I'm supposed to be right, and it's very nice, your mother's wonderful, everything is great, that's what your mother did, now you're my house, now you're my wife, come on, now you do what I decide. And now I'm here at Mr. Corellis, married for I don't know how many years, one of the great poskim in his famous psaac, allowed his wife to make a beracha that he holds as a beracha in vain. Because it's not, if she has a source, and she comes from a great family, it's not that big a deal. What feels like something is often nothing. And finally, the third and final perspective, which is a little bit of advice, is that sometimes small things can erase a lot, but small things can do a lot. What we keep, what we saw, as we keep mentioning, is the Jewish people complaining about the meat. Hashem's response to them is very harsh. Hashem's response to the Jewish people is He sends them all these, all these different like birds with, with tremendous amount of meat and the people eat and eat and many of them die. Why is Hashem so upset about their complaints? And the commentaries say, here's why. Because Hashem says, Hashem says, I gave you the man. I'm feeding you the man. And you, you know, from heaven. And you're not appreciating it. That's not okay. What Hashem wanted from us is just appreciate. So you know what I think is the best advice we could do right now? Is that if you feel like your relationship is maybe, like I said, it's lagging a little, I don't want to, like we said, it may not be the biggest deal, but just a little tired at this point. Here's all you need to do to switch it. Stop and appreciate. 
stop and appreciate. If you're a husband, do you realize what your wife did the last three months? Do you realize what she went through? Do you realize how much work and energy and mental energy she went through the last three months? Stop and acknowledge it. If you're a, a, a woman, do you know what your husband has dealt with the last three months? You know what it's like having this office transport to home, and I know there's no traffic and all that, but you know the stress and the anxiety that's been in the business world the last three months? Do you have any idea? Stop and acknowledge it. We have a law, Torah says, when you have a taref piece of meat, if you have a taref piece of meat in the field, don't eat it. Rather, toss it to the dogs. What is that? Why it says the commentator, you can toss it to any animal. Why are you telling me toss it to the dogs? And she says, because we owe the dogs something. When the Jewish people left Egypt, the dogs did not bark. So we're thankful to those dogs. Therefore the Torah says, when you have a piece of meat that's unedible by a Jew, give it to the dogs, not any animal, the dogs. Because we owe them something for being silent. Any person who's in a marriage, any person who's in a marriage or in any relationship over the past three months owes your spouse something. Thank you for being silent on days that I was anxious. anxious. Thank you for handling the fact that the income wasn't the same. Thank you for still doing work to smile. Thank you for waking up and trying to go to class over Zoom, even though you would stop being in the mood. Thank you, thank you, there's so much to appreciate. And I know it sounds so simple, this advice, but you know what the truth is? I'll bet you that if you're honest with yourself and you stop right now and think about it, you'll admit that you didn't do it enough. That yeah, you appreciate your spouse, but you didn't say it enough. You didn't acknowledge even the times that, so to speak, they didn't bark. No, I'm not calling your husband or your wife a dog, but I'm saying that they didn't get upset at times they held back when they could have easily lost it. Stop and acknowledge it. And you know what acknowledgement does? It creates so much positive energy, so fast. It's a big deal. As small things are a big deal. Small things are a big deal. And you see it one more time at the end of the parasha. At the end of the parasha, it says that the Moshe Rabbeinu again, when Miriam, excuse me, spoke about Moshe Rabbeinu, and Miriam got sarat, as you know. And the Jewish people had to wait seven days before they continued to travel, even though it was time to travel, because they waited for Miriam. The commentaries asked, why they wait for Miriam? What zechut did she have for the entire nation to wait for her? And the Gemara answers, you know what merit she had? That when Moshe Rabbeinu was a little baby and she, his sister put him in a basket and let him go and sail in the river. Miriam stopped and waited to see what would happen. She stopped to wait 
The entire Jewish nation is now going to appreciate what she did. Stop and recognize that because she waited for a few minutes, 600,000 people would wait for seven days because we as a nation show appreciation and we make a big deal out of appreciation. And we know how critical and important appreciation is. I'm going to conclude with a story. But I just want to give you this one thing. Next week, Bezrat Hashem, at least as of now, the plan is not to have a class. Normally, on most years, when the world is a normal place, we take off for two weeks at the end of June. When school is ending and people are moving, usually we take off for logistical reasons. This year, nobody's moving. Most people that are moving moved already. And if they haven't moved yet, most people are not moving next week. And school is ending, but if you call that school, I guess again, obviously it was school, but you know, it's not that as big of an event. But we're just taking a week off to sort of make a break between the year and the summer. Maybe it'll give me a week to replenish this little brain up here in Hashem. Send us right thoughts and ideas. And Bezat Hashem will come back with a summer schedule. We may do it the same way as we're doing it now. 8 o'clock every Wednesday night, or maybe we'll change the time or the forum. We'll see. We'll see what the social distancing requirements are. Maybe, who knows, maybe Hashem will enable us to be able to even start doing it in person with people spread apart while still doing it live online. But again, I implore you to tune in tomorrow night because all I gave you tonight was perspective. Tomorrow night, you're going to get real concrete answers and advice for this challenge. And for so many others, if you're single, your daughter's single, you're married kids, you're married and young, so much advice from really from three great authorities in our community. So please join us if you can tomorrow night as you watch these three women in action and I hope it's gonna be exciting and they'll give you some real good ideas of what you can tools to fill your tool chest literally Tomorrow night, you can get tools in one hour that can change your whole summer and maybe even your life. So please tune in at 8 o'clock. So our advice tonight was this, and like I said, we'll end with a story. Our perspective tonight was this. Number one, you need to realize that everybody is dealing with this and everybody deals with these things. Number two, you have to be wise enough, experienced enough to sometimes look back at a time period and say, that was nothing. I was just, I'm a little kid building a castle. And okay, it broke, or it wasn't as great as I thought. Okay. And finally, you need to stop right now and show appreciation and watch how much energy it can ignite. And I want to tell you a little story. I really like this story because once again it's personal and it's recent. But I also like the story because as you see, little things do go far away. As you know, we're involved in a number of organizations in the community. 
there was a, about three years ago, a rabbi who I worked closely with in one of those organizations, who had made a little mistake, I'm not even sure if it was really a mistake at all, but me and some of the people on my team decided that we need to let it go immediately. So one night, 10 o'clock at night, I called into an abrupt meeting and I told them we have to let you go. Now some people are good at firing people. I am not one of those people. Firing someone is very difficult for me. I feel bad, I care, maybe I care too much. You know, some leaders are stoic and strong and dynamic and doesn't matter, they're moving forward, I'm not that guy. So pardon me, I'm also because I love this rabbi very much. Anyhow, for a while, he wouldn't really talk to me. We hadn't really bumped into each other almost at all. But I know he was extremely upset. And I really felt bad. And as I look back, I realized that I probably made a mistake. Maybe he didn't fit perfectly for our organization, but I was too brash and too abrupt and too fast. So right before, somewhere in early March, I went to a prominent man in the community who was very close to that rabbi and I'm somewhat close to. And I told him, I said, you know what, I really want to make up with this man. It's three years already. I really feel bad. I really want to make up with him. He says, okay, let's see when is the right time. That was it. Now last week, as you know, we do a class on Torah Minds. We just finished this semester. At least my class this semester is over. Other classes have a couple more nights. On Torah Minds, we have this, this learning on this organization, on this website called Torah Minds. And my class was about to fill up. Last week, last Tuesday night, and I do it with a partner, another rabbi who doesn't speak, but he helps we would find the sources together already. Helps from a technology standpoint, and he's a great friend as well. So anyhow, last week, I, it was the night, I don't know if you remember, there were riots, there were fear of riots in Brooklyn, so there was a curfew. So last week, my rabbi partner that I'm working on this project, says, Rabbi, you know what, tonight, let's not drive there separately, let's drive to the studio together. I said, okay, it's a good idea. He drives me to the studio. I give my class. I'm up to the Benachor and Amidat. The Benachor was up to that night. was Hashiveno Aminu Lutoratecha. Hashem allow us to do Teshuvah. And my whole theme of the class was that if you really want to do Teshuvah and you take the first steps, Hashem makes it easy for you. You just need to take the first steps. And you need to really want it. And you need to really care. And then once you're able to really take those initial steps and you pull yourself out of bed for a few days in a row, or you really start trying, then Hashem makes it easy. That was the whole theme of my class. Gave this class, Torah Minds, that got a lot of participants, a lot of people involved, great feedback. We end the class right away. My partner, Rabbi, says, says Rabbi, you know what? Usually we stay over afterwards to write a recap and a review. Let's not stay tonight. Let's just go home. It's dangerous. It's past the curfew. Let's just go home. I said, okay, let's go home now. We go home now. Usually he drives me. Usually we don't go together. And usually we don't leave this time. And if I was driving home, I'd drive up Avenue P. He says, I'm a little nervous. Avenue P, the stores. Let's go up Avenue N. We drive up Avenue N. We get to Coney Island Avenue and Avenue N. And we're stopping at the light. And we see there's another car. I'm like, wow, there's another car out here. And then he notices, the rabbi notices from the bumper sticker, it's a Jew. He says, well, it's a Jewish car. Now again, not a big deal because it's curfew and, and well, it's, it's a thing. We pull up alongside that car, if you know, if you end, it's sort of a two-lane road. 
We pull up alongside the car, and the rabbi I'm with rolls down his window to look and see what's in the other car, and he says, oh wow, it's my friend. And let's say his last name was uh, Rabbi uh, Safdi. He says, oh, it's my friend, Rabbi Safdi. And now I'm like, oh wow, my goodness. Rabbi Safdi's that rabbi that I let go, that I fired, so to speak, three years ago. And I haven't spoken to him since. So quickly in my mind, I'm like, do I, do I, I'm from the passenger seat, do I say hi to him? I'm afraid if I say hi to him, he might ignore me. And here's my partner rabbi is with me, there's another person, passenger in his car. He might ignore me, he might be very embarrassed. I say, you know what, I gotta give it a shot. And I turn to him, I say, hey, Rabbi Safdie, long time no see. And he bends over and he says, hi, Rabbi Haber, it's great to see you. And I'm like, thrown off. And then he says, he says, you know, I have your notes from Yeshiva 28 years ago. You wrote notes. I have the copy of those notes. And I actually passed by your house today to drop off those notes. And I saw your son learning on the porch. He said, but then I realized I didn't have the notes in the car, so I just drove off. And then the light turned green, and we each drove home. And I got home, and I said, one second, what are the chances? I gave a class tonight about that if you want it, Hashem makes it easy. It's the first night ever I drove in a car with, in three months, a car with somebody else. It's the first time we left so early. It's the first time we went up MUN. It's only because I was in the car with somebody else that even rolled down the window altogether. And it happens to be that day, the same man who hadn't spoken to me in three years, got me a buddy to in three years, was going to drop all notes at my house. That's what Hashem was talking to me. I called up that prominent friend that I told you about and I said, you have to set up a meeting, I want to apologize. And so this morning, today, this morning, right now, this morning, we finally met, before I left Brooklyn, we finally met. I went to his house and sat in his backyard and we spoke. And his reaction was so wonderful, like a prince. I said, I want to tell you, I made a mistake. Maybe the relationship with the organization didn't make sense, but I did it the wrong way. I made a mistake and I'm sorry. And when you do just a small acknowledgement, I was nervous, how's he gonna react? What's he gonna say? His reaction was so princely, Rabbi, Hashem runs the world, Hashem is big. You don't know how much Hashem has taken care of me in the three years since then. And I forgive you and it's totally gone. And I said, wow, I just made a small attempt and such a beautiful result happened. Ladies and gentlemen, in your own home, you just need a small attempt. Do something small and watch what Hashem could create. Watch how Hashem makes it easy. Don't sit there nagging, oh, sitting on the couch, the same guys here all three months. When's he gonna go to work? Do something nice, say something nice, and three months can become beautiful. Let this appear like this. So again, we started you on, we got you on the road. We got the ball rolling on how to reignite your relationship. You will get a full tool chest of tools and ideas tomorrow now. Next week, visit session, we're off, but inshallah, the week after on Wednesday, whether it's day or night, in person, on live, on video, however, on I, I will do it on iTunes, Rabbi Zrat Hashem, inshallah, with Hashem's help.
Bezrat Hashem will be back. I want to thank you for joining us through this whole season. And I want to thank you tonight for having, for not being zoomed out and being willing to listen and take our little bit of perspective and advice. Realize that when everyone's going through something, it often means it's not that big a deal. And all I need to do is a small thing to make my marriage the dream that I always hoped it would be. We have the potential, ladies and gentlemen, to have a beautiful summer, to have so much beauty and happiness and energy in the summer, combined with relief. We do, we have the chance. Ultimately, it may be up to big decisions by big government officials, or maybe it'll be up to our small little moves and small little attempts that allow us to ignite Hashem's dreams and allow us to ignite what Hashem's blessings and all that Hashem has to offer us. So that hopefully in a few weeks from now, you'll turn around and you'll say, you remember March, April, May? They're distant memories. And life is as beautiful as it's ever been.